And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Dr. Peter Hammond, missionary and director of Frontline Fellowship. Peter, it's so good to have you on with us again today. Thank you, Dan. Good to be with you. Sometimes in life we have a, a big project. In fact, we should have many big projects, I believe. But these projects um, need to be heavily prayed for and prayed through. And um, Peter, recently you, you sent out a note about, uh, it was called Born in Prayer, and you were recounting the faithfulness of God in various instances in your life and mission. And I'm wondering if we could talk about that today, and uh, maybe to get us started, you could tell us about your Bible study years ago and the prayer group that you had in the military. Yes, well, Dan, I was, well, I was brought up in Rhodesia, and uh, my father had been in the Second World War all six years, the Second World War in the Royal Artillery as a bombardier, mostly in the Eighth Army in North Africa and Italy, and my brother was in the Rhodesian Army during the Rhodesian War, but I was just a bit too young for the Rhodesian War. I was a boy at high school, and it was a very exciting time to be brought up um, there with uh, teachers carrying machine guns on roads endangered by landmines, watching out for ambushes. Uh, you couldn't switch on the lights at night without first closing the curtains. You couldn't go out the front door without switching off the lights behind you, not to frame yourself against the light, because terrorists were targeting civilians, and I didn't perceive the the trauma and tragedy of the war. I just saw it as a very exciting time to be brought up, and I always wanted to be be a soldier and uh, and a game ranger and to shoot poachers and protect animals and all that, which was the way you thought living in an animal-rich environment like Rhodesia. But um, my war came in South Africa after Rhodesia had been betrayed in 1980. My uh, turn came in the South African Defense Force, so I'd finished school, and uh, I got converted the moment I came to South Africa, bumped into Christians everywhere, radically converted, called into missions. Uh, I went to a cinema on a Sunday hoping to see a film uh, that was advertised. Instead, the local Baptist church had taken over for an evangelistic rally, <laughs> and I was confronted with the gospel, first time in my life, 17 years old, converted, and um, I was called to missions. Now, I started Bible study and prayer fellowship uh, in my um, uh, school and got involved in all kinds of evangelism and scripture union and holiday missions and so on. And the first missionary came past our, our church uh, from Hospital Christian Fellowship Francis Grimmer ran forward and joined his mission. So as I left school, I, I got into Hospital Christian Fellowship, and that was wonderful, tremendous. They really taught me to pray. And then my military call-up came up for the South African Army. So I was, I, I was a bit later for my call-up than if I'd been uh, brought up in South Africa, but because I'd been recent immigrants, I, I was a little late for it, and all white young males got called up for two years military service two years full-time and then uh, 10 years part-time, two to three months a year on a citizen's force, sort of like Israel would work these days or Switzerland even. So, uh, and of course we were at war since 1966. So uh, there I was going into the South African army and now for the first time in my life, I didn't want to be in the army. I wanted to be a missionary. And so I went to the army actually with a little bit of a bad attitude thinking, I don't want to waste my life, uh, waste two years of my life now in the army. I, I want to be in missions. And, and I don't think I was there for long, just a few days, and God really brought it home to me, you're in a mission field. 
Look mm, around. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of young men here. There's 2,000 young men in this military base. And, uh, in fact, it was going to get thinned out to less than 600 in a very short order through selection in the first couple of weeks. So there's some young people I couldn't reach um, unless I reached them quickly. And uh, then there'd be another unit. So uh, the conviction came and it, it burdened me. And at the first Sunday church service run by the chaplain, at the end, I asked if I could speak, which is quite a brave thing. And it was actually one of the most terrifying things in my life. I, I <laughs> um, asked this chaplain to speak and I stood up. And at that point, we had over 500 men in our company. It would be down to 120 in a few weeks. But um, at that stage, we started big and, of course, it would contract very quickly as uh, all the selection uh, processes kicked in. And as I turn around, I look at these men, all looking pretty much same as me, no hair, brown uniform, uh, coughing and wheezing, uh, middle of winter, very cold. We were winter intake. And uh, as I looked out over them, my heart was thumping. My throat was dry. I was petrified. Mm. But I knew I had to make a stand for Christ. And I said, I love the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart. I want to honor him in my next two years here. If anyone else feels the same, please see me afterwards. Let's start a Bible study and prayer fellowship. And that was about all I said and uh, sat down in terror. And uh, several youngsters came to me afterwards, of which three joined my Bible study and prayer fellowship the very next night. And every night we met and it grew to six, seven, twelve at the end of first phase about 24 by the end of third phase, uh, nine months, uh, intensive training, very intensive training. Um, and then we were deployed to the border for 15 months. Uh, so um, we met virtually every single night of our two years for Bible study and prayer. And some nights we had all night prayer chains. And it was extraordinary because as we were working our way through the Bible and I was seeing that God has put watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem to remind him of his promises yes. day and night. And uh, we thought, you know, we do God duty for the army. Let's do prayer duty for the Lord. And so we, we organized prayer chains for Saturday nights to pray through the night and wow. uh, extended times for it. Uh, at first, when there's very few of us, we'd have to um, do two shifts a night um, uh, of an hour each. Uh, when, when there was more of us, we might only get one shift in a night. But it was uh, – and we'd, we'd be kneeling at the front of the chapel, and I'd have Operation World then. I was praying for Mozambique. It was while praying through Operation World, uh, doing one of these all-night prayer chains, that the Lord just impressed on my heart what Patrick Johnson had written about in Mozambique, the least evangelized country in the Southern Hemisphere. Less mm. than one Bible for a thousand people in that Marxist country. Nobody under 18 allowed in the church. No missionaries in the whole country. And something stirred within me. And my heart leapt at the challenge, and there on my knees at the front of the chapel in our military base, 6th South African Infantry, I knew God was calling me to take Bibles and the Jesus form into Marxist Mozambique. Mm. And <laughs> um, now, to get the context, as I shared this vision with Christian friends and family members, they, they were all very skeptical. Mozambique was a communist country, yeah. a war zone, an enemy of South Africa. Terrorists were using Mozambique as their launching pad to plant landmines and car bombs in our country, South Africa. Our Air Force and our Special Forces were undertaking military raids into Mozambique. This is insane. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as I was preparing for this first mission to Mozambique, the Lord confirmed his call through many passages in my daily devotions, like Jeremiah 1. The Lord said to me, do not say that you're too young. 
which is what I kept saying. Yes. But go to the people I send you to and tell them everything I command you to say. Do not be afraid of them, for I will be with you to protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And the morning that I was going to cross the border into Mozambique, we started the book of Joshua. And right there in the beginning, Joshua 1 verse 2, get ready now, cross the river into the land. <laughs> and so... It was early April 1982, 37 years ago, that I crossed the border from Swaziland into Mozambique on a 250cc off-road motorbike scrambler with a thousand New Testaments in Portuguese, four reels of the Jesus film, two packs of, of World Missionary Press gospel booklets in, in Portuguese and Shangon. And it was a real faith mission. It was just incredible to have gotten to that point and, and how the Lord opened the doors and provided, protected, guided um, Anyway, that, that's how we really started in the Bible study and prayer fellowship in the army. And I didn't know that I'd be doing this for the next 37 years. Uh, <laughs> I thought this was just maybe one mission across the border to Mozambique, but that's how we started. That's amazing. Yes. And I'm so glad you added that last part that you had no idea that the Lord would, would use those experiences to kind of grow his missionary work through you. And I, I'm just picturing this little. 250 cc motorbike loaded up with all these new testaments and and four reels of the jesus film wow you were pretty loaded up there oh yeah so i i had a um saddlebags of course with world mission press gospel booklets in them had my 80 liter uh, backpack which had um well everything sleeping bag food everything i needed (laughs) to survive then i had a uh, the four reels jesus film uh, packed on top of that two and uh, there was another one of our um our workers on another motorbike and he had a whole lot of the new testaments too and uh, we had some um uh, jerry cans of uh, gasoline as well between us dangling from the back of our packs <laughs> and uh, and then i had a whole lot a uh, balance in front of me uh, between my arms on on the uh, actual tank of the uh motorbike so we were heavily laden and yeah it was a bouncy and of course you're talking about dirt roads with rocky muddy um boulders potholes it it was uh, it, it was quite uh, an operation just to stay upright yeah and and what amazes me is that you don't really know exactly how it's going to turn out who are the who are the people that the lord will lead you to how did it work out on that front wow well Yes, just for starters, talk about a faith mission. I didn't know a word of Portuguese at the time, which oh. is sad. So I was pretty unprepared. I didn't have a single contact in Mozambique. We had 10 Rand, which would have been mm, um, probably um, a little bit over $12. Uh, not enough money to even buy gasoline on the way out of Mozambique again. And um, just to get through the border post and uh, the language problems. <laughs> communications and the roadblocks and there's five roadblocks just between Swaziland and Maputo and we're going past burned out, bombed out, shot out vehicles in ambush alley and you feel very vulnerable on a motorbike traveling in in a war zone and we came into a city pitch dark, power failure in fact Maputo, the capital city, didn't have power failures they occasionally got electricity power failure was normal so we went into a city in perpetual darkness and so imagine, no street lights, everything's pitch, pitch, pitch dark. And um, I didn't know what to do. I mean, where do we go? So we we had hoped we'd find a church. We, we didn't find any church open. We saw a few burned out ones. 
So I stood on a street corner and I greeted people, hello, 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 hello. And finally somebody, I don't know how long, but it just seemed a very long time, said hello back. And I turned on him and said, do you speak English? And he said, yes, I do. And I said, praise <laughs> the Lord. And he said, hallelujah. And I said, praise the Lord. And he said, hallelujah. And he said, do you have a place to stay? You must stay in my home tonight. Oh, <laughs> wow. there you go. Mate, he said, do you have a translator? I speak Portuguese, Tsonga, and Swa fluently. He said, you've got the job. And it was just magnificent. So the next morning, I don't know if he slept, because the next morning, he actually had gathered together hundreds of people, many hundreds of people in an underground church service in a, a bombed out, burned out church building that didn't have a roof. Wow. And and so we were gathered in there, and as I brought them greetings, there was a lot of excitement, and I said, I've brought that Jesus form to you. And, oh, yeah, there was lots of excitement. <laughs> and I added, please pray uh, that we would get a projector. Right. And you suddenly saw this absolute, like they were totally deflated. Projector? He didn't bring a projector. Where are you going to get a projector <laughs> from in Mozambique? And then somebody else said, but we never have electricity. I mean, it comes on maybe once a week. Mm-hmm. So... Um, anyway, afterwards, somebody came to me and said, I work at the British Embassy. They've got a 16-millimeter projector. I think they could lend you one. Oh. And he said, come to the corner of Karl Marx and Vladimir Lenin Street tomorrow. Um, <laughs> yep, that's <laughs> where we found the British Embassy. That's Karl so Marx and Vladimir Lenin. Um, <clears throat> something had changed over the years. So we get there, and I met the British consul and chatted to them. And fortunately, uh, I have a British passport because my dad fought in the British Army and yeah. so on. And... Uh, so they actually lent me the 16 mil projector and they said, but you're going to have to pray hard if you want electricity tonight. Uh, so, <laughs> um, well, fair enough. Okay. That's, so we rigged this all up. And when I say rigged it up, um, there wasn't exactly plugs in the wall. There were some wires dangling around Yeah. because the plugs had been uh, all, you know, window fittings, everything had been stolen. So there were no pews. It was, it was quite bad. Bullet holes in the walls, marks of slogans written Maybe oh. in blood, who knows, on the walls. It looked very bad. Um, so we rigged this up. We uh, sort of split the wires and, and tied them around. Had to take off the plug off our um, projector. Didn't think the British Embassy would be too thrilled, but we'd put it back again afterwards. And would you believe it, on came electricity. And, I mean, <laughs> it was just sharing and excitement. We showed the Jesus form, and I thought, this is just so good. And then, during the crucifixion scene, the power went out. I thought, hmm. well, you know, that's not bad. I mean, it, this is pretty good. Um, <laughs> I stood up and I preached through an interpreter with a flashlight in hand. I preached to them um, about the importance of the crucifixion. I thought, let's really emphasize this. Um, maybe we shouldn't have gone too quickly on the resurrection. So, okay, this is fine. Hmm. And would you know, as I'm preaching about the crucifixion, the lights come on again, hmm. which they said did not happen often. <laughs> well, we cranked up the projector again, showed we got through the crucifixion, uh, resurrection and the ascension, the Great Commission, and the power went out again. Now I stood up and I started to preach even harder um, on uh, Jesus risen, ascended, victorious Amen. over death, hell, Satan, and the grave. He's ascended to heaven. He's coming again to judge the living and dead. And I called <laughs> him for repentance. And while I'm preaching like this, I see men coming out of the shadows uh, in camouflage uniforms holding AKs, and my heart just leapt. And I yeah. thought, you know, uh, I'm about to get arrested. Oh, dear. And do you know, they knelt down, they put the AKs in the dust, they knelt down, and some of them started crying. 
That's beautiful. And they were coming forward to surrender their life to Christ. Now, I had just a few months before been a South African soldier on the other side. Yes, <laughs> These yes. are our enemies. These are the communists. And I had the opportunity of leading to the Lord some of our communist enemies and even baptizing some of them. Oh, that's beautiful. Ah, uh, oh, just incredible experiences. Yeah. So talk about a faith mission. I knew nothing. I knew no one. I didn't know where we were going, what we no. were going to do. I didn't have a projector. We didn't have electricity. Talk about a faith mission. God provided at every point. And time and again I saw where God guides, he provides. Yes. You uh, you were also trained as a soldier. Did God use that training, those survival skills, uh, to make do and, and help you on your missionary work? Oh, yes. No, I believe so, very much so, yeah. because I, I was brought up in a very comfortable home in Rhodesia, in colonial <laughs> Rhodesia. We had a full-time uh, gardener. We had a full-time butler. We had a full-time cook. I don't think I made my bed or polished my shoes or anything before. So the army uh, got me digging, polishing, scrubbing, gotcha. cleaning. Uh, it, it taught me personal discipline and got me excited about being disciplined. And even to this day, I can iron my clothes better than anyone else. And I'm <laughs> perfectly, I don't want other people fiddling with my things. I'm, I polish my shoes. I, you know, uh, It taught me a lot, but it taught also obstacles are only there to be overcome. Obstacles right. are not there to stop you. How many times we went through the obstacle course, and it didn't matter how long, how muddy, how dirty, how high, how wrapped in barbed wire, you could get over, under, through, uh, no matter what, there's always a way. And we, we got to that we could get through a massive obstacle course in minutes. And it was teamwork, and it was attitude, and it was fitness. But that attitude, and also the confidence it gives you to go into dangerous areas, come out again. And we realized there's nothing magical about that dotted line on the map. Right. Um, you know, you, you can get across it. And so when the Lord gave the Great Commission, he never said stop at the barbed wire fence, stop <laughs> at the iron curtain, stop at the minefield, or only take the gospel where it's safe, legal, you know, peaceful. So uh, I must say the army opened my eyes to a lot of things that we can do this. And yes. also the attitude of all this energy and effort that we did for military objectives, some of which were abandoned as soon as you'd gotten them. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we thought, but we should have more effort for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And our commander in chief does not abandon us and he doesn't leave us. He he has gone in front. In fact, he's never commanded us to do anything he hasn't done himself. And our Lord suffered for us, and he left us an example for us to follow in his footsteps. And so I must say my idea of this 100% total dedication to the military that was required during our military service, well, how dare we have a lower standard in yes. the kingdom of God and for the Great Commission and the spiritual warfare? So, yes, I, I think it very much energized, inspired, and guided our work which is probably why we've focused on war zones, restricted access areas, persecuted churches, because we realized during a time in the army that, um, well, we saw the need, we saw how neglected they were, and when we saw about the desperate needs in Angola and you saw people who were uh, wounded, crippled, without a leg maybe, and you asked them, how can we help you? And yeah. they answered, Biblia, Biblia, they want Bibles. That's right. It changes your priorities. So, yes, oh. uh, in every way, I must say that, that God used our time of military training and service to prepare us to be his soldiers and missions. Yes. Did you ever feel that, I'm so busy today, I don't have enough time to pray? Does that ever come oh, yes. to mind? Oh, 
all the time. I must say, I'm, I'm a, I'm an objectives um, project person, gotcha. uh, and um, I'm not naturally spiritual. Uh, the Lord had to teach and train me about the importance of it, and and reading Martin Luther saying. I'm so busy today, I need to spend an extra hour in prayer this morning. Um, you know, I've got to get up earlier. And that's not the way I would think, humanly speaking. No. So I'm so glad the first mission I joined, Hospital Christian Fellowship, they put a huge emphasis on prayer. Uh, hour of prayer in the morning, half an hour of prayer after each lunch. They had about half an hour of prayer at the end of each day. They sometimes had prayer days and prayer nights and all-night prayer chains and and. That was good training for me uh, because I wouldn't have done it normally. And they say that the average Christian spends something between four to eight minutes a day praying. Mm. That's not very biblical. It doesn't no. meet the standards of the reformers or the great missionaries like David Livingston. Mm. So I'm glad that I was confronted with better examples of excellence that when I was in the army, and of course we were we – were, uh, totally detained in the sense that we couldn't go off base. We were trapped on the border, so to speak. We were in our bases and, and very little distractions. And so I was able to get into far more into reading the scriptures and devoting hours to prayer each day than I would have ever done in normal life. So mm. uh, it's been very hard for me to even reach the level of spiritual depth that we had in prayer and Bible study during our time in the military uh, since and uh, sometimes I've experienced it, but that's been ministering with a persecuted church yes. <laughs> behind Iron yes. Curtain, Eastern Europe, or in Sudan, or Northern Nigeria, Congo. So I, I must say, yes, um, I, I would I would have been a person who'd be all work and no pray, but um, the Lord taught me if you're too busy to pray, you're busier than God wants you to be. That's right. Nothing is beyond the reach of prayer except that which is beyond the will of God. So. Prayer is the foundation for all our spiritual work. The will of God will never lead you, but the grace of God cannot keep you. Amen. We've got uh, two minutes left. In the last two minutes, we're talking with Dr. Peter Hammond. What about, you tell us a very short story about Christian suffering in Angola and how there was a wicked leader there. Um, this ties into imprecatory prayers, a very tough aspect. Can you explain that quickly to our listeners? Yes, I was staggered. Um, in Angola, which is one of our first mission fields, the Angolan Christians were praying for God to intervene. And they told us how the dictator, Agostino Neto, had declared within 20 years there won't be a Bible left in Angola. Mm. I'll have eradicated Christianity. Oh. So while the Christians were praying for God's deliverance, Neto, the dictator, died in very mysterious circumstances at the operating table in Moscow. Mm. And his successor, Doshantos, uh, didn't have the same enthusiasm for continuing his wave of church burning. And we saw tremendous change come about then. In fact, our mission delivered more Bibles into Angola than existed uh, at the time he made that false prophecy. But to see uh, the Christians praying the Psalms and praying for justice, I wasn't aware of that. And so it started me on a lifelong study on what the Psalms teach and pray and how David prayed. And the prayer book of the Bible, the, the Psalms, That's have right. many imprecations, prayers against evil, prayers for justice, which you, you get in Revelation too, that the saints are praying for God to judge the wicked. Uh, how long, sovereign Lord, holy yes. and true, until you judge the, uh, those responsible for our yes. blood. And so I, I was very struck by the need for us to pray against evil and to pray the Psalms of justice for the persecuted church. Yes, yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. 
Uh, today we're talking with Dr. Peter Hammond. In the last minute remaining, Peter, if someone wants to look you up online, get more information, maybe get on your mailing list, how would they go about doing that? Right. Um, our mission email is mission at frontline.org.za, mission at frontline.org.za, and our website's frontlinemissionsa.org, frontlinemissionsa for South Africa. FrontlineMissionSA.org is the website. We're also on Facebook, Frontline Fellowship. So, uh, and so am I, um, Peter Hammond. So, um, yes, if they want to contact us, email mission at frontline.org.za or look us up online. Yes, and uh, dear Christian, keep praying. Don't give up because God will answer your prayers in, in marvelous ways. And Peter, God bless you, my dear brother. Please keep up the good work and thank you for joining us today. Amen. Thank you so much, Dan. God bless. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.